Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution, and delighted to be your podcast host today for the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution, creators of Attract, a powerful marketing suite that enables you to spend less time on the details and drudgery of marketing and more time growing your business. Attract gives you the technology and the content you need to find your ideal prospect and turn them into your best customer. If you haven't done it lately, visit agencyrevolution.com, see what other people are saying, and request a demo of their award-winning software. Again, I want to welcome you to this episode. This is one of those conversations when I got off, I said to myself, gosh and gollies, Michael, you do have the best job in the insurance industry or certainly feels like that because I get to engage in the most interesting conversations with the most intriguing, intelligent, and in so many ways, the most engaging people, including my guest today, my friend Tom Super, the head of PNC Insurance, J.D. Power, who unravels what the modern insurance consumer really wants. Nobody talks to more insurance consumers than J.D. Power. I'm pretty sure about that. They speak with over 100,000 people every year. Tom breaks it down, uh, both in terms of what the big trends are in general, uh, and they they are fast moving. They are powerful. Insurance agents really do need to pay attention to this and then also contemporaneously, what, what's happening right now in regards to the way that COVID is affecting today's insurance consumers. So he really uh, delivers, this is so jam-packed, it was really exciting for me. Um, we cover a lot of ground. The three types of insurance consumers um, in, in um, response to how they're um, how they're being affected by COVID and what that means to you, uh, that almost 60% of insurance consumers anticipate that they'll be driving less after COVID. Now, uh, I realize that we don't always predict our future behavior very well, but there's probably some truth to that. And what does that mean for your own personal lines book of business? Uh, it was interesting that driving was down half um, during um, the kind of early period of the COVID crisis, but it's still down to about 80% of what it normally would be. Only 39% of insurance consumers reported being contacted by their insurance provider in the current crisis. That's pitiful. And uh, you can imagine how the other 61% feel about the insurance industry in general. I certainly hope that You've been in touch with your consumers during this crisis, giving them comfort, giving them confidence, giving them some some sense of direction. Uh, Auto insurance premiums, uh, don't know if you've done the math on this, but they've driven at twice the rate of inflation in the last five years. So you can imagine that does put some pressure on issues like loyalty, um, interest in telematics. UBI is up uh, 300%. And so a lot of, there are a lot of changes. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of interest in change. The fundamentals of loyalty are being um, oh, pushed, to the, uh, pushed to the seams. So um, I felt this, this was uh, one of the great conversations for me of the year, uh, full, of, full of content, full of not just information. There's tons of information. Uh, but what I think what Tom does exceptionally well is he separates the signal from the noise. And so I'm going to uh, uh, introduce you to this conversation here. Uh, really, without further ado, Tom does a terrific job of introducing himself. And uh, so before I do that really quickly, I want to remind you, uh, first of all, thank you so much. I uh, really do mean this. I had an opportunity to look at I don't look at the numbers uh, of this podcast very often. I try to pay attention to the quality of the conversation. Uh, 
and the caliber of the guest. Uh, I, I, I glanced at it the other day and saw that we, saw that we had passed 150,000 listens uh, really uh, some weeks ago and went right by me. So the numbers are looking good, but mainly what that, what that says to me is that this is a conversation you want to be part of, and I'm grateful for that. Um, along those lines, if you want to engage more deeply in the conversation, I want to hear from you. So uh, I do, I do my, really, my very best to read every email that I get. Uh, sometimes they are sorted and filtered for me f- by my assistant, but I get, I get the messages. I can't respond to everybody, but I try to do my best with that as well. If you've got thoughts on guests, if you've got thoughts on how uh, we can improve the podcast, if you've got thoughts on topics, would love to hear from you, michael at michaeljans.com. Follow me on LinkedIn or connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's another way that uh, you'll make sure that you don't miss out on juicy stuff that's happening in the industry that I might have my finger on the pulse of. Uh, definitely encourage you to follow Agency Revolution. Obviously, for very similar reasons, uh, if you haven't picked up your agent um, success toolkit, visit uh, 8steptoolkit.com. And now, without further ado, it's a privilege to introduce you and invite you to participate, so to speak, in this conversation with uh, my friend, Tom Super, the head of PNC Insurance at J.D. Power. Tom Super, (laughs) good to talk to you again. How are you? I'm doing well, Michael. How are you doing? Always great to talk with you. Uh, well, um, life is good out here, of course, like everybody else, as, as uh, I was sharing with you earlier. I miss my family. I miss my friends. The social life uh, is, is uh, kind of, uh, <laughs> what social life? But overall, um, yeah, it, I, I have it easy compared to most people, and I'm grateful for that every day. And you up there in, in Michigan, you're doing okay, right? Yeah, we're we're riding it out, and in fact, this is a time where um, the uh, the mission of JD Power is, in fact, uh, you know, more important than ever. Right? Uh, our our uh, carriers really are interested in understanding the the state of consumers and especially their their mindset during these difficult times. So uh, we've been really busy on the phone um, and uh, out there talking to, to consumers and. Uh, well, you're doing, the, you're, you're doing the J.D. Power thing, right? The voice of the consumer. So let, that's, that's right. Good, Trying to live, live <laughs> up to the voice of the consumer. You got it. That, that's a good segue. So there are a few things that I think that we can cover during the course of this conversation. You have forwarded to me uh, tons of information on reports that you've been engaged in in regards to consumer sentiment. And so there are a couple things, and I'll just let me give the frame on this. Uh, you're doing a lot to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with uh, COVID and how people are responding to that, and and not just in general, but also in regards to how it affects their relationship to the insurance industry. So that's number one. And but that number two, um, you've always got, and this is why I, I I want to make sure you're a repeat conversation at least once a year. You, you're always delivering the annual uh, insurance report, and you're always. Uh, um, You've always got uh, insight on how this industry is changing and what the trends are, and so I want to be uh, I, I want to be in a position to help uh, deliver or perhaps interpret or at least be a channel for you to speak to the independent agent about how these changes are affecting their lives. So. Uh, um, Tom, uh, l- l- let me first ask you this, if you would, uh, uh, introduce yourself and tell us, uh, how you got to be where you are, because you've got, you've got a fascinating background and a terrific job. Okay. Well, well, thank you for that, Michael. Um, uh, so yeah, um, it, for, it, my background, I just up, I'm head of the, uh, property and casualty practice at power. Uh, I've been in this role for, um, about two years now, um, Previously, uh, I was a customer of J.D. Powers. I was director of strategy at Farmers Insurance for about nine years. Um, Previous to that, I was a consultant and even spent a little time at the White House. Um, uh, But I've been in the insurance industry for going on 20 years, Um, seen a lot of (laughs) interesting changes uh, during that time. And uh, yeah, this is one of our flagship studies that we do every year 
um, and really happy to talk through this. And just to provide a, a little context to what you, you said as well, um, you know, our big uh, insurance shopping study, we, we talk to over 100,000 consumers uh, every year. We do that on a uh, ongoing basis to look at aggregate trends over the year. But to your point, we've also released this year a, a targeted set of uh, questions into the field that started in early March on the early onset of, of COVID around consumer sentiment just related to the crisis. So we've been monitoring both of those on an ongoing basis. So, so happy to talk to either of those today. Got it. All right. So uh, it, uh, you had mentioned that you'd been in the industry for 20 years and there have been a lot of changes. Uh, I, I honestly, I can't even imagine what this industry will look like 20 years from now. Oh, and, 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 and as a practical strategist, uh, I, I don't know that I particularly care, but I do certainly care where we think it's going in the next two years, three years, and five years. Um, so, boom. Let's, let's start with this, if we could. Uh, share with us what your insights are in regards to COVID and how that's affecting the consumer and then, you know, what the implications may be for the independent insurance agent. Yeah, so, um, so you know, what we've learned from, from the whole COVID situation is, is that it's, it's a fluid and fast-moving situation, right? So consumer sentiment in early April is very different from where it is today. Um, I wondered about that. I mean, I, uh, clearly that's true. And I, and I think you had sent me a report that, that was, uh, maybe it came out um, oh, about two weeks ago. Okay, and I'm wondering, well, <laughs> at what point do we throw that one out? And I say, give me the, give me the <laughs> stuff. That's right. No, it, it's, it's, it's a fluid situation. I mean, you look in, what we found is the first work of April is when really everything bottomed out. Uh, shopping uh, frequency was way down. Uh, driving miles um, was at 55% of, of, uh, of what was a, a normal uh, driving uh, miles. Wow. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, so, so, yeah. So, so, so no, no, uh, no wonder that uh, insurance carriers can send money back, premium money back, right? <laughs> you got it. You got it. I mean, just a, a, a 1% decline in, 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 in frequency is a windfall for the, for the insurance carriers. So they recognize this and, uh, and also consumers are recognizing that too, especially yeah. those who are hardest hit by this crisis, as you talked about. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so 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 fifty five driving is was down now. So what are we seeing now? Yeah, it's it's back up. It's at about uh, a little over about eighty percent of where it was. So it's it's rebounded significantly. That's pretty significant. And and for our listeners, I will put this into perspective. We're doing this like you know one of the very final days of May. Um, yes. And I think we're going to go live in the first week in June. So we're, we're going to push this out as quickly as we can. All right. So one, th one of the big takeaways is that um, when we did the analysis, what has really emerged is three types of consumers that, uh, that have really been um, kind of segmented as a result of the crisis. And they're not mutually exclusive, but these are yeah. a, a three we're looking at the overall consumer market. One is those uh, those consumers that have been directly impacted from an employment or hours standpoint, and their their impact on auto insurance has been significant. Their overall lower satisfaction. You're seeing much higher rate sensitivity. Much more more likely to shop among those consumers. They're in the market more obviously looking to save money. Um, you know, there, a lot of them are also still driving significantly less. So uh, they're <laughs> yeah. agents and saying, hey, can I suspend my coverage and, and other things like that as a result. The, the second segment are those that have largely been unimpacted or not really largely impacted by the crisis. And we do find that their over sentiment, overall sentiment has not changed significantly. They still uh, have pretty uh, uh, standard levels of, of rate sensitivity, higher expect or consistent expectations around around service and the like. So, that, so they still have deep and undying love for the insurance industry. <laughs> exactly. well, okay. Yes, as, as much as we, we all do, right? We all do. Okay. Um, but the, the third is also uh, really interesting to us, and, and what we're seeing is almost a, a new expectation forming among those that are forward-looking uh, drivers and consumers. And these are people that 
expect to have reduced mobility going forward. Um, I, I think the number that we're seeing here is around um, uh, 59, almost 60% of consumers are reporting to expect that they're expecting to drive less miles post-crisis. I mean, that's a, um, it, it, that's a pretty significant number. Um, you know, if do, you think, do you think that's yeah. true? Uh, uh, do, do you think that, um, that in fact, post-crisis, there will be less driving? Well, I, I think there will be some structural changes to the economy. One, yeah, okay. One of, the, one of the indicators that we've been monitoring is, is the commercial real estate market. And if you think about that, we'll, our company's learning to be able to uh, have uh, workers work, work remotely. Okay, uh, so remote work may have found its day. It may have found its day, right? And what does that do in terms of how consumers use their vehicles? You know, maybe they won't be driving so much commuting back and forth to work, but you might see an uptick in, in, in leisure uh, driving. So yeah. as we'll continue to monitor, but you're right. I mean, there's, um, based on the data we're seeing where it's about 80% post-crisis, post those numbers are, are picking up. The, the, the question is uh, at, at what level is gonna be the new normal? So what do you think the impact of that is? I, I guess I'm, I'm going to ask you to kind of put your farmer's hat on a little bit, like from, from, the, from the inside of the industry. If, in fact, there, that's true, I mean, let's say that driving is down 10%, which is significant post-crisis, right? Um, what, what do you think the impact is of that on our industry? Well, it, it, it's a good question, and it's... Industry has actually kept an eye on for a number of years, and one of the reasons why they've kept an eye on it is the introduction of ADAS vehicles. Right, so the big hypothesis around that is that will consumers be driving less miles? Will their overall um, accidents in terms of frequency and severity, or even the types of injuries like BI injuries and things, will those uh, continue to fall? And what type of impact will that have on the, on the industry? And, there's no doubt, um, uh, you know, if, if people are driving less miles, or using their vehicles less frequently, um, that's that's going to have an impact in terms of premiums. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, these are, I wouldn't just say it's it's these structural changes. There's some environmental conditions, just like I, I mentioned around ADAS, that are likely to have equal, if not more profound effect going forward. Got it. Okay. Um, anything else uh, in... Uh, regarding COVID that's significant right now? Yeah, I mean, it's something for your agents to really be aware of is, uh, is the percentage of customers that have reported being contacted by their uh, insurance carriers. Um, basically, only 39%, and this was of our last feeling, which was on, on May 16th, um, reported that the carriers have reached out to them uh, to help them manage costs through this crisis. So only about 40% of consumers are reporting that they've been contacted, which is a, a really low number in our, in our mind. Um, yeah. USAA, which is a direct carrier, uh, had the highest percentage of customers saying, re reporting they've been contacted at 64%. But this is, this is really the time <laughs> for agents to be picking up the phone Especially given the, you know, in light of the segments that we talked about earlier, those impacted by their employment status, those that are looking forward around how they're going to be driving in the future, you know, the the whole personalization aspect of what an agent can provide a consumer has never been more important, and you know that would be one of the big takeaways is really picking up the phone and and talking to your customers about what their situation is and how you can tailor their insurance needs to meet, meet what, they're, what, what they're dealing with. And, and I'll add to that, using their marketing automation system to deliver ongoing stream of value and, and using it to stimulate inbound calls. But Yes. Well, yeah, okay. Um, yes. So, yeah, but uh, clearly, uh, if, 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 uh, if, if the agency channel has a distinction, which is the agent himself or herself, uh, we can't be absent and, you know, sit back hoping that the carriers sort of take care of this problem, right? They're our customers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and this, this gets to a trend that uh, we talked to uh, about a little bit on the pre-call, which is 
<clears throat> you know, it, one of the trends that is likely to, to, to happen in the near future is the increased adoption of, of AI-based uh, bots, chatbots, virtual agent concepts. And, you know, you know, basically what that's going to be is an algorithm that, that tells the bot what to recommend, what to, what to uh, you know, how to interact with the customer. And the way to really, uh, you know, in my mind, for, for agents to continue to uh, outpace where that is going is through better understanding of their customer more so than any AI bot algorithm can, can do, can inform them. And so all these things that we're talking about, knowing your customers, uh, that personalization aspect is, is absolutely critical for agents during this time. And, and it really demonstrates the, the, the value of, of why it's important to have an agent. Got it. All right. So uh, obviously agree with you 100%. So you've also done, uh, um, you know, you're keeping your finger on the pulse of the consumer now in general, COVID aside. There are, I think you're picking up on some, some movements, some trends. What's happening to the um, North American or U.S. insurance consumer these days? Yeah, there, there's a few uh, major storylines that emerged this year. One is just the, uh, the dominance of Geico and Progressive. Um, so uh, last year, the overall industry grew by about 2.5%. Um, it's now a $250 billion market. Um, that growth slowed over the prior year. Prior year, it grew at about 6.6%. We attribute that slowing down to not only uh, the, the, the low number of new entrants, so there's not a lot of new business, new PIFs, essentially, yeah. but also uh, the, the softening market conditions that, that started in late uh, 2018. Um, and basically what's happened is that... Um, uh, out of all that growth, uh, that 2.5% growth, uh, Geico and, and Progressive have captured 92% of that, that premium growth, which is just a, a, a very significant number. Um, and it's showing that consumers are moving towards big brands. Brands are important to them. Um, they're also uh, you know, pivoting to things around price. Both Geico and, price and Progressive have been leaders in, around a price leadership. So these, that's one of the major trends that, that we're obviously monitoring. Well, that's huge, that's huge. So let, let me see if I'm catching that. I, uh, that's, that's a sit down and think about it moment. So yeah. of the growth that the industry enjoyed in 2019, Geico, and, and, I, I, and I assume now we're talking about automobile insurance premiums. Right. You got it. Auto. Okay. Yep. Um, Geico and Progressive captured 92% of that. And the previous year, as I recall, it was 51%. So, yeah. I mean, 51% itself is stunning, but 92% is, is staggering. It is. It is. Uh, okay. Yeah. And it, what that means is that the rest of, uh, of the pack is, is, is in a no hold, holds barred battle uh for market share and, and it's a zero-sum game right where the growth of of one carrier is coming at the expense of another uh and which right. is right advertising okay. spend and everything else so yeah i mean you're seeing uh, a lot of consolidation there you're seeing incre increased uh, uh you know uh competition among the, the rest of those brands all right. Um, we uh, so gosh and golly, this is that this is that's serious. Now, yep. um, Tom, one of the things that you and I have spoken about offline is that I mean clearly Geico and Progressive have a terrific customer acquisition model, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I just want to put this into a little bit of perspective because I don't want I don't want the age, the independent agency channel uh, and the principals thinking. Um, this is an unwinnable battle. So, uh, you know, as you're aware uh, from a common connection um, in my very recent podcast with Jeff Munchen, uh, demonstrated that it's possible for an independent agency to have a customer acquisition model that is, is somewhat staggering in and of itself. But the old style of merely having quote-unquote presence in the community, a brick-and-mortar building with a shingle hanging outside and going to the Elks Club or the Chamber, that's a dead model, 
Yeah, you're, you are, you're hitting on something that, that is, is absolutely right. What you have here is, uh, is a changing dynamic around consumers and what their expectations are. And a lot of people talk about it in terms of uh, the Amazon effect, right? If you think about you know, a, a decade ago, you would have segments between some players would be have great products, and I'm even talking out of outside of insurance, right? Think yeah, about right. Retail. Great products, you would have to go to a certain company. If you want great service, you would go to another one. If you wanted the lowest price, you would have to often go to another one. And, and basically, these different companies would compete on those different axes. Um, what Amazon has done is converged all three of those into a single uh, platform of offering great products and service at pretty competitive prices. And, it, and it's really changed the paradigm shift for consumers about, around what their expectations are for interacting with, with brands and, and feel like that has transcended over to, um, over to the insurance industry as well. So, you know, the point there is, is obviously, um, you know, the, the need to be uh, price competitive is important but also at the same time where independent agents have done extremely well and will continue to do well is offering consumers choice. Um, you know, the ability to sit down and customize a, a coverage based on their individual situation. And then also, you know, the thing that we talked about earlier was personalization of experiences and services. So all those things bode very well. Let's not forget half of progressives growth uh, revenues comes from independent agent channels. So uh, when you talk about progressive and the the success that they've had, uh, that's not just direct. That's a that's an agent based win as well. Right on. Okay. Um, so um, you've got uh, in your report, you've got some comments about um, consumers becoming perhaps more at risk and that brand loyalty seems to be eroding what's up there yeah so you know if one of the interesting shifts that we've seen is that insurance has become much more of a consumer good uh in the minds of uh, of, of consumers and what that means is that um you can interact you can shop you can switch more easily than you did uh you know a decade ago and there's been some conditions, not only in terms of that, that overall ease of interaction that you have with, with your carrier, but there's been some other conditions that have accelerated this in our mind as well. One of them has been the rising cost of, of, of auto insurance. Uh, auto insurance premiums have risen at about two times the rate of inflation over the last five years. Um, and, and what that means is that insurance costs, uh, auto insurance costs, are, are taking up a larger percentage of household income. Um, it's taking up more of their discretionary spend. And while we see overall consumer satisfaction rise uh, over the last uh, several years across the industry, the gap between overall satisfaction and price satisfaction has never been wider. Um, that, that okay. So this is a fascinating subject. That trend can't continue. Um, just uh, you know, as an aside, I have a conversation which will, uh, I think, lead to a podcast with another advisor, different firm, who uh, issued a report. I think about five years ago. I used to cite it fairly frequently about how uh, you know we were perhaps somewhat in theory, but approaching the day where auto insurance premiums just, you know, kind of go keep going down, down, down because of telematics and various technologies, safety technologies, um, self-driving cars and, and, you know, intelligent cars. Uh, and clearly the, the, that's not happening. What's what's going on? Well, yeah, I mean, well, what's interesting is that in the near term, right, you've seen uh, overall, uh, you know, claims costs rise as these features have been introduced to vehicles, right? So yeah. your ability to, to fix a car with, um, 
uh, with automated vehicle features on it is is more expensive. But, it's expensive, right? Right. So that so that's so, a near term, right? Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, there are certainly uh, trends that we are seeing over the longer term, and that we alluded to this a little bit earlier on the call, uh, around things that may lead to less uh, miles driven, uh, whether it's uh, these economic conditions that are shifting due to the, the pandemic about work, mm -hmm. or it's ADAS features being uh, introduced, or it's UBI, it's you know, all these factors that are pointing to potentially less miles driven and the impact that that will actually, you know, will, will certainly have on insurance carriers over the long term. But over the last five years, that has not been the story, right? It's been rising costs and, and we've seen it across the board. Uh, price uh, in terms of importance of consumers have skyrocketed. Okay, so uh, consumer sentiment on that then I think would be, it would seem to be fairly predictable that that, that, that would account for some erosion in their loyalty. If you, you're, you keep rising the price on me and it still feels the same, yeah. that challenges loyalty. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what's interesting when we ask them what their source of, of price frustration was, the majority of consumers reported having no history of claim. Right, right. And, uh, you know, that, that goes to the point, right? It's like, you keep on raising prices on me, but I, you know, I'm doing my part. I'm, I'm doing my part, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting in accidents, right? I'm, you know, a lot of them now are now driving less miles, right? So, therefore, my my premium show go There is a clear disconnect, right, between consumers, uh, what their perception is around things that they control, and then economic conditions, right? So, they think that you know, hey, I have no history of claims. They don't appreciate that you know, repair costs have gone up, right? And those are things that, that the normal consumer doesn't spend any time thinking about. They just see their bill. I've done my part. Why, why is it going higher and higher? Hey, those of us who are insurance professionals are often mystified by insurance pricing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So, yeah, there are a lot of forces that are outside of our control. Um, okay. So, what what do you, what is it then that is is driving people uh, the consumer to choose their carrier? What what what's what are the what are the what's the psychology behind that now? Well, it, it, it's certainly clear that we look at different sh uh, stages of the shopping process, and the way that we've described it is that there's a number of different factors, right? So it's just not, it's not one factor, but when we look at a percentage basis, uh, brand helps get customers in the door and price overwhelmingly helps them close the business. Um, now, are there other factors? Absolutely. Um, and there's a lot of different factors that that cause customers to shop in the first place. There's things that they really value when they uh, select a, a, a carrier. Uh, things such as um, uh, you know brand popularity, uh, having a, a, a good reputation in the industry, um, and that comes through you know higher service, having good agents, um, having a good claims experience, um, those types of things. Um, and in fact, uh, one of the things that <clears throat> we brought forward in this year's study, which is new, is that uh, half of the reasons why consumers shop are for reasons that the carrier has initiated that created a negative experience. And if the carriers can do a better job of eliminating what we call these quote unquote acid rain events, which is just small little um, uh, interactions that go negative that carriers have control over that can correct that can really help in terms of, of retention and it, give you examples of, of a couple of things that we're talking about uh, things like billing errors um, things like uh, calling up the 1-800 number and not getting uh, to someone to speak with in a timely manner Some uh -huh. of the, right just um, they it then you know in and of itself is not a big deal but it, it each one multiplies upon itself and every time that they have one of these acid rain events their likelihood to shop doubles for each interaction so 
Um, you know, so overall shopping rate is about 40% in the industry. Those that had experienced uh, one or two acid rain events, their shopping rate is, is twice the industry average. So uh, the ability to, to mitigate that is really important. And, uh, you know, that is equally important is, is creating something to attract consumers because, uh, as you know, uh, friends and family and networks are really important in shopping uh, consumer decision-making about brands. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna put you on the spot about, about something, because I think, <clears throat> um, Tom, uh, your focus is when you say brand, your focus is gonna be on the carriers, right? Correct. And, yeah. and in general, my focus is going to be on the independent insurance agencies themselves, which, which have a, a, a two things which we've spoken about. One, a brand in, in yeah. the nature community, and two, uh, they either have or they do not, a, some customer acquisition system that a marketer would call a system or a process that drives people into a marketing funnel. So there are other elements there as well, right? It's, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, I, I would think it's not often perhaps that uh, consumers thinking um, it's time to shop, let me check out, you know, I, I'll just throw out a couple of names, Safeco or Travelers. I mean, clearly they're really strong brands, um, but they're, they're generally, um, they're accessed through an agency. Yeah. Um, I, I, yes. So that, uh, thank you for that distinction. There, there is brand level at the at a carrier level and brand level at an at an agency level. Uh, certainly, no doubt about that. Right. And so, and some of that, a lot of that brand. I mean, that it's is something that the agency has control over, right? So if somebody's somebody's poking around and they see. Uh, and they hop online and, and they see an agency with 45 five-star reviews, there's an instant feel-good and sense of, of trust that's uh, delivered immediately there, right? Yes. Somebody who has no reviews, well, you know, obviously they're just not even going to show up. That's right. <laughs> and and likewise, if, if uh, you know, Sally, who I work with, said, oh, gosh, you really should call this agency. They do a great job. Boom. Um, you know, that's the, that to some extent is the strength of that brand and also perhaps the strength of their, of the systems they use to uh, influence Sally's behavior. Yeah, that, that's a really important <laughs> distinction to call out because, yeah, and that's why, you know, I kind of put the caveat around a carrier-based brand is one of the factors. It's not the factor and, and price also at the close process is one factor, not, not the factor. But you know, one of the one of the important points to pull out is the, is the nuance around um, around popularity, right? So as you mentioned, um, uh, you know whether it's a reputation for an agent uh, uh, in terms of uh, their overall you know on star uh, reviews or online uh -huh. reviews, um, or you know through, just through the community itself is is, is absolutely. Uh, critical and, and one of the things that we uh, that we have and, and know is uh, is the influence of friends and family to shape overall uh, shopping decisions. And in fact, we call it um, uh, kind of uh, the herd uh, type of uh, uh, decision making. And that's that's a kind of a term that's been used within uh, marketing circles. So, and it gets to 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 those brands and, and both at a uh, carrier level and as an, at an agent level that they know and trust um, uh, those consumers that are, you know, that uh, select a brand for which a friend or family currently has uh, the same carrier is at a very high rate. Uh, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll yeah, typically, so. they'll close at 80%. And, that, and, and what's interesting, again, this is information com coming from a different advisory firm, yeah. but, but referrals come pre-baked with loyalty. It does. It right? does. So, 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 so they're kind of pre-baked as the ideal client with a proclivity to long retention, a proclivity to giving referrals, and a proclivity to buying more insurance. That's right. It, it, I think the most important thing when it comes to this is really having uh, only a strong reputation, but also having very clear brand message in the marketplace, right? Whether it's um, it, it could be at a carrier level or an agent level. What do you represent in the mind of consumers? What do you, where have you carved out your niche to be the best? And uh, whether that's uh, delivering, um, uh, you know, within segments of the commercial market or 
uh, doing very well within personal lines, um, being known for an online presence, uh, whatever it is, um, you know, having that clear brand message in the minds of consumers is, is really important. Where it gets in trouble is two points. One is lacking that, right? Not really representing anything, not standing for anything. Standing for anything, okay. Right. Uh, if you think about it in terms of retail, right, those, those companies that, that uh, really have not carved out a, a strong brand perception, let's say like a, a Sears or something like that, uh, compared to a Walmart, which you associate with price and, and savings or a luxury brand, right? The, those that are middle of the road have, have more difficulty. The, the, the second aspect is, uh, you know, certainly about having that, uh, th that relationship within, within your community as well, which is obviously important, right? So we talked about the niches, you know, if you want to be successful in, in this certain area, uh, really representing that. So when consumers think about, you know, who is an agent in my area that, um, you know, uh, writes uh, for friends or family or business associates, um, you know, and, and like businesses that you're top of mind. So, you know, standing for something and, and having that very clear uh, brand message is, is really important. Um, well, let's let's uh, sort of contrast this with another point that is in your report that ad spending in the insurance industry is close to nine billion in 2019, right? 8.9, and that that is a doubling over what it was uh, 10 years previously, which I'm sure was at least a doubling over what it was 10 years before that. Um, that uh, that's phenomenal, right? I mean, uh, you know, I think if we think back far enough, if you're watching Seinfeld back when it was on TV, mm -hmm. oh, you weren't yeah. seeing you weren't seeing a lot of insurance commercials, and now uh, you, you pretty much can't go through, uh, you know, what what we still call TV um, without seeing an insurance commercial. I know it, it's it's ubiquitous, right? Um, and you know, one of the things we monitor, monitor is, is overall brand awareness amongst yeah. the big carriers. It, you know, it's, you know, near 100% uh, saturation, you know, at this point. So, th I, yeah, three, I think there's... Uh, wow, okay. <laughs> so there, yeah, there's three factors that I, I think are fueling the, 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 what really has been a phenomenal run when it comes to ad spend over the last decade. One is the trend that we talked about earlier around uh, insurance functioning more as a consumer good, right? Meaning consumers have more power in making uh, decisions around their insurance policies like, like never before. So it's really important to get out ahead and get in front of them with who you are and what you represent. Okay, right? let me put, let me ask you, I'm gonna put a bookmark on that for a moment, okay? Cause you have two more points that you're gonna make, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. that's the statement that you just made is uh, I, it's too important to overlook, and that is the consumers have more power. It seems to me that that's, that shift in power from the business to the consumer is a game changer. Um, share, if you would, share your insight on that. What, what is it that made you say that? Well, there's, uh, it's, it's really reflective in, in the data that we have. Um, you know, so you, just the ability to get, to get quotes. So we, just to use that as an example. Okay. Right now, um, we monitor the speed at which a consumer is able to generate multiple quotes before they make a purchase decision. Oh, really? Okay. Right. So uh, when we first started monitoring this, um, <clears throat> what would happen is a consumer would have to pick up the phone, call either uh, their local agent, visit a local agent. Often what would happen, and that would take you know a, a period of time, um, and they would get, uh, you know, maybe one, maybe two quotes. It would take a significant amount of time, and then they would ultimately make their purchase decision. Uh, now, uh, you have the ability for consumers to either through agents, uh, through online channels, or through a call center to generate quotes and, and get quotes very quickly um, in, in a short period of time. Um, so they're you know, exercising their consumer right mm -hmm. to shop right. Okay. Uh, across goods, right? So, you know, and it, 
we don't have, you know, aggregation or aggregators in, in, in the U.S., but we, in many ways we have de facto aggregation in the sense that consumers can now go and get uh, multiple quotes in a short period of time. And uh, so that, that is just one of many indicators around why consumers now have more power than they did just, you know. Got okay, got it. Um, I, it's, I think it's such an important point that agents need to, uh, they just need to, to be like fully immersed in how powerful that is. And, yes. and uh, to some extent, maybe, you, you know, you've touched the tip of the iceberg. They're just, they, they, um, whether or not the information they have is accurate or not, they have information to an infinite amount of, uh, of, of information and it's ubiquitous and they could do it instantaneously. So it's, it does, it does seem like an extremely powerful position compared to a generation ago when insurance really was behind cur closed curtains and people f simply couldn't access it, didn't understand it. It was largely a mystery. Yes, and th this gets it right to the heart of a point that, that we've made around, and you've, you, you hit exactly on it, which is, the consumers are now empowered like never before, but they do not have the tools <laughs> yeah. to make the right decision, right? So, you know, if you think about you're going out to make a a, 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 a choice about a new car, right? You can, you can go online, you can get reviews, you can talk to friends and family, you can go and test drive the thing, you can see it, you can make sure it rides well, all these other things, right? Insurance little bit of a leap of faith. It's not a tangible product that you can test drive, right, before, before yeah, you. Yeah, right. So what, what do you default to as a consumer in the absence of having that? Yeah, you've got you've to go with is, trust. Trust. I mean, like you said, the herd mentality or social proof is, is clearly it, one. One, social solution proof. to that, yeah. Friends and family. What are friends and family? What's the popular brand? The other thing that they see and hear all the time is brand, right? So I yeah. see, I see this advertising. It must be popular because I see it all the time. And, <laughs> well, there's a familiarity, the right? I mean, we, we know the characters. We we know the characters on TV, right? And then, right? The, the, a, yeah, and then the last crap. thing, and uh -huh. then the last thing is is price, right? So I, I, you know, I have no other way to compare these insurers um, like I can with a vehicle right, or another tangible product. So uh, there's an increasingly focus uh, on things like brand and price because um, that's an extension of what's happening from consumers having more power but not having the tools to be able to make the right decision. Got it. Okay, so I'm going to circle back because I interrupted you. <laughs> the, the topic that we're on is that you said that there are three factors that fuel growth and ad spend. And the first one was consumers have more power. So the advertisers are going directly to them. What are the other two? Well, the other two. Uh, so the second one would be the uh, the introduction of the direct carriers, right? So yeah, yeah, okay. The direct carriers have, uh, you know, uh, when you think about their cost of acquisition, the ability to take uh, a percentage of their overall operating costs and put that back into the market in the form of advertising. So their their big play, right, is to say. We want to be top of mind uh, among consumers uh, because we do not have agents. We do not have the local presence in the community. So what, they're able, what they have strategically made the decision uh, to make is to reallocate uh, you know, what has uh -huh. been margin or operating cost that would have either gone into agents, would have gone into um, products, would have gone into capabilities now has gone into advertising spend. So that's why you saw the first cycle of the advertising arms race really right. off by the direct players, in particular Geico, um, you know, that really led the charge. The, the third factor, and this is in contrast to that, is, you know, is now the, the mutuals uh, also upping their game to remain relevant within um, – and when I say mutuals, I mean mutuals and public companies um, that, um, uh, you know, that in the zero sum uh, race that we talked around, around market share, uh, it, it's really important for them to uh, 
make sure that they have a strong brand presence uh, out there. So, uh, you know, this is uh, all these things. Uh, okay, so they're so they're so they're uh, they're not matching, but they're they, they at least uh, they see what's happening. They want to have some presence in the advertising field. Exactly. So you're okay. not talking about a market that's growing twenty percent year on year. You're talking about <laughs> right. a mature marketplace where everyone's battling for every inch of share that they can get and uh, <clears throat> for they're spending on advertising and to get that awareness. All right. So that's a, that's a good segue to my almost last uh, <laughs> topic of conversation, Tom, uh, from your report. <clears throat> uh, so typically uh, and historically, we've seen that the directs uh, excel at customer acquisition and the independent or the agent channel broader, the, the agent channel in general, uh, tends to excel more at uh, uh, loyalty performance. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. I think that you're saying that directs are now excelling at both cost of acquisition, but they're narrowing the performance gap. What's going on there? Yeah, that, that's, that's something that we're seeing, um, certainly. So when we look at uh, customer satisfaction uh, across channels, uh, this is one of the first times where we've seen directs at par with overall agent performance. Uh, and, and basically, this is a reflection of the investments that the industry has made to uh, create a, a stronger online um, uh, system capability to be able to attract and service customers through self-service means. Um, and th that's had a, of, a profound effect. And, and one of the things that, you know, is interesting to monitor is that the first investments in the digital capabilities were focused uh, mainly on monoline consumers. Um, so if you think about it, if you just had a, a very simple auto insurance need, you can go online, get a quote, find that and you would be happy. Um, if you were a more complex consumer that had uh, multiple autos, had a home, may have had you know some, some specialty products or a life insurance product, your ability to manage that relationship end to end online is, uh, is there at an industry level. That is, those capabilities are becoming more and more accessible. Um, and what you're seeing is that uh, other segments that had not looked to online channels for service are starting to make uh, that pivot. Um, the industry's not uh, not there yet, and that's why you know from an agent perspective, you know we continue to to say you know really it's important to demonstrate the those unique values, uh, the personalization, understanding your consumer basis. Uh, uh, and, and the like, because one of the things that really jump out when we look at the, the data are one is that good agents really can excel overall customer satisfaction. So an age, a customer that might be satisfied and you have a, a great agent, their satisfaction numbers go through the roof. Uh, so, 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 uh, well, that's significant what you just said. Uh, yes. and, and so I'm assuming, at least to some extent, you're able to drill down to that, right? So, so perhaps uh, to some extent what you're saying is that the, the average agent is just kind of average, right? But, uh, uh, and, and it, and it uh, demonstrates itself in overall performance. But the exceptional agent is duly rewarded. Am I right? Is, is that what your data is saying? Yeah, it's basically that good agents are an accelerator of making customers much more satisfied. And on the flip side, a bad agent has an equally deleterious effect to overall satisfaction. Okay. All right. Listen and up, folks. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that's really going to be important, especially as, you know, this concept of, um, of, you know, virtual agents become uh, in increasingly offered, whether through chatbots or all of the other things as well, or just call centers getting more personalized in yeah. their actions. The agent and being able to 
understand and be able to service their customers beyond just what an algorithm can tell you will continue to be a competitive advantage for agents for the foreseeable future from our mind. Yeah, yeah. okay. So a uh, couple of sub points under this, under this point here. Um, uh, your report said, I'm going to quote, directs are directs like the, let's say Geico, okay, are operating on a 10% structural advantage over independent agent and exclusive agent carriers, which is helping to reinforce a cyclical activity that advantages directs. Yes. Uh, I, I, I think I know what you're meaning, but bottom line that for us. Yeah. So if you think about it, um, so their overall cost structure is basically 10% less than IA and AA. Yeah, and that's, that's combined ratio, right? So even if, if the loss ratio is higher, the combined is still 10 points, 10 points lower? Well, it, we're, we're looking at their expense. Okay, got it. Okay, yeah. so so the combined, yeah, right. So 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 typically, now it's been a few years since I've really done an analysis on this, and and this is yep. you know, um, and and and, but I do recall, uh, this was in preparation for you know a boot camp and my annual state of the industry report, right? I I really did a deep dive into some AM best data, and it appeared that I mean clearly it's a much it's a simpler channel, it's a more efficient channel, it's a cheaper channel to run the uh, the loss ratio is a little higher so maybe hats off to agents for doing a little bit of a better job on customer selection but uh, it's still it wasn't 10 points cheaper but the overall combined was still less like three yep. points now I don't, I don't know what it is now but the fact that it's a cheaper channel to run does have seem to have some serious strategic implications yeah what do you, what do you think yeah that, that that's you're absolutely right and that's what gets to the the cyclical activity where where there's an advantage because it ties to right consumers are increasingly shopping based on price sensitivity for all the reasons that we talked about earlier around the rising cost of insurance ec economic conditions everything else uh, they're pushed in the market looking to, for uh, cheaper prices. Uh, direct carriers often then are at a cost advantage when it comes to cost of acquisition. So it's in their strategic interest to drive as much churn as possible because they can acquire a, a customer at a lower cost basis than, than, some, than some of their competitors. So it's, an, it's a reinforcing cycle in many ways where um, it really is an interest of, of the large mutuals to maintain high retention levels so that they're keeping their best customers, driving up their overall lifetime value of that customer, uh, you know, because of, of, of the factors I just alluded to. Okay. Well, that, uh, that, is, uh, that is the holy grail, I think, in our space is uh, maximum customer lifetime value. Uh, but it would seem that if this trend continues, and it, like you said, it's a uh, it's a cyclical activity that it's like a positive feedback cycle, that w w seems that it would continue to move in this direction absent any, you know, significant changes in in the trend. Uh, th that uh, the independent agent per se may 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 want to look really seriously at uh, who their ideal customer is. Yeah, and, and I think some of the things that we talked about earlier, right? I mean, it, it, during this crisis, only 39% of consumers said they were contacted during, during this right. time, right? Yeah. So, right. Uh, what does that mean, right? And then when we look at the data, those that um, were not contacted were twice as likely to shop and switch. So, you know, th these are all, you know, uh, it's, it's in many ways a wake-up call to reinforce the value proposition of going out there, speaking with the customers, knowing the age, knowing the customers, providing that personalized experience. You know, that is that is our counsel is, you know, really pick up the phone, demonstrate the unique value, the personalization, understanding their situation, being sensitive to that. And and maybe in some cases taking some long some short term sacrifice, for example, like suspending a coverage on a vehicle, right? So right now, a, a household that you might have might have two vehicles, and they're only driving one because, yeah. because of the situation. Now, if you suspend a coverage, I understand that's going to reduce the premiums, but that's a, that's a way that you can highlight uh, it, that 
the, the unique value that you provide that just by going online and doing it yourself, you would have not been able to recognize. And right on. Yeah. Okay. No, I get that. Uh, uh, Teresa and I haven't been on the road at the same time in the two different vehicles, uh, you know, for probably 80 days, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and my agents, I know, is a listener of this podcast series, so I'm expecting a phone call. <laughs> uh, right. Right. <laughs> All right. Um, well, uh, so, uh, Tom, um, I'm, I'm going to ask you now, if, like, like, like if, if you could summarize, like, the essence of, of what you're observing right now. Like, if you, if you were going to look for a nugget of insight for the independent insurance agent, the principal who needs to be the strategist and the marketer for their agency, what do you want to say to them? Yeah, I, I would say that we're going through an unprecedented time, right, due to COVID. Um, all, all customers are not experienced this crisis in the same way, right? Each customer, some members of their family might have been directly affected by this. Others might be, uh, you know, struggling to, to make ends meet and pay their bills. Uh, this is a time really where uh, agents can really demonstrate uh, the value that they provide to customers to help help them uh, manage not only the, the financial situation through this crisis, but also reassure reassure them that during this time that they're there for them. And it, one of the things that uh, we didn't talk to, but is worth noting, is just customers are are demanding more. And um, whether it's good coverage, whether it's being able to have good customer service, all those things have risen in importance during this time of crisis. So that would be the main takeaway in, in the near term is, is really understanding this, what's happening in your, your book of business and, and being there for them during this time. Uh, uh, th there's an awful lot of power in the, um, the mere act of being there, isn't there? Yeah. Just sure. showing up as a positive presence. That's right. So, so, so for the short term, I, so it's not a bad long-term strategy either. That's right. Yeah, because <laughs> even though you might take some short-term sacrifices, yeah, there could be some sacrifice, indeed. Yeah, they're you know over the long term, you know they're they're gonna look back and say, yeah, th this was someone that had my back during during a difficult. Yeah. Time. Okay. Got it. All right. Um, I, I do have. I just wanted to toss out one last thing. Um, I think I've shared with you that my most recent podcast guest was an agent in Vermont who is, you know, rather remarkably adding four or five million dollars in premium every month. And uh, his partnership with J.D. Power is a significant part of that model. Um, anything you want to uh, share about that? Um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, J.D. Power has long been, um, you know, proud of ourselves as the voice of the customer within the industry. We've been collecting data for decades on consumer. Right. And we're trying our best to make that data more accessible. Um, and the more that we can make that information accessible to consumers, to agents, to carriers, we feel like uh, everyone will be able to make better decisions around what experiences they want, what experiences that are best able to meet those expectations. And, and, and that's a big investment that we're making in is going beyond just the, the company that offers an award, you know, the, the JD <laughs> The award, okay. Right. But, but beyond that, you know, what is it, all the things that we've been talking about today, how, how can we make this information more accessible, more available, available so that everyone has the right tools that we talked about earlier to make decisions that that will best be in their interest. Right, and, and you've developed a tool, and I, I don't know if you've really gone to market with it yet, or if, or if you're in a pilot with Jeff, or uh, or how that's, you know, yeah, what, so where are you going with that? We, we launched a new product, um, and we've got a, a several in the pipeline. One of them uh, uh, earlier th this quarter, uh, and the partnership was with uh, dealer policy uh -huh. and and the solution is through the dealership uh, uh, partnership that they have is we have offered a product that allows the dealerships to basically provide a uh, um, a match based on what a customer says is important to them from an insurance carrier 
and we provide almost a, a heat map, if you will, of, of carriers that are better able to deliver against those expectations and those that uh, are, are less able to. And um, the initial feedback on it has been really strong. And again, you know, this is a kind of in the spirit of let, let's, let's make our data more accessible, more widely available. And if there's value in that, great. And, um, and you know, we feel like we're sitting on a, a, a really um, large amount of, of value that, that has not really been accessed, uh, accessed by uh, a wide range of, of, of market consumers. And we want to make that more available to everyone. Terrific. All right. Well, Tom, uh, as you always have been, you've been very generous sharing your time with me and my audience. I realize that uh, my audience uh, typically doesn't uh, purchase from J.D. Power. Um, the carrier listeners obviously do, but my primary audience are the principals of independent insurance agents. Uh, in this case, however, uh, you, know, there, <laughs> uh, you, you may have a product, uh, an emerging product that will be of some you know, broader interest. If um, an agent uh, wants to find out more about that, maybe it's premature, maybe it's not, or if they just want to reach out to J.D. Power, what do you suggest? Yeah, they can contact me directly. I'd be happy to always have a conversation. Um, you know, right now we're in the development phase, uh, uh, very early stages of, of what that's going to be looking like. But um, I'm always happy to pick up the phone and have a conversation if anyone wants to talk, that's for sure. Got it. All right. So uh, you, you want to share your, your email address? Would that be the easiest? Yeah. So it's uh, thomas.super uh, at... Uh, JDPA, that's jdpowerassociates.com. Got it. Very good. Thomas.super at jdpa.com. Uh, Tom, once again, thanks so much. Uh, I always admire the work that you're doing and I appreciate the time that you've given to us. Again, thank you, Michael, for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.